Welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started a collaboration with ProPass Consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on a wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to ProPass webinar. Well, it's it's nine o'clock, so we're going to, to start. And a very warm welcome to everyone on day two of the uh, fifth annual ProPass meeting. My name is Mark Hamer. I'm from UCL and also on the leadership team of ProPass. Um, before I whet your appetites with uh, today's program, I just wanted to uh, reflect a little bit about ProPass. And I, I can't help going back to our first annual meeting, which was held in uh, Copenhagen, hosted by Andreas Holtzman five years ago. And I, I was reminiscing with Andreas because that week we had this incredible weather in early October. It was, it was mid-25s, mid-20s. We were all overdressed. And Andreas put on these incredible smoked salmon rolls at lunchtime. And he assured me that was the, 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 the thing in Scandinavia. But the biggest take home for me was the sheer enthusiasm around Propass and, and the will to, to really make it work. And I think huge credit must go to Manos, Manos Tamtaki, for his fantastic leadership over the last five years. And he's, he's really managed to keep the momentum going uh, from those early days. And, and this is not a, a normal project. We've discovered over the last five years, there are many moving parts to ProPass. And I think that the big challenge is how you piece those parts together. And if you manage to solve the puzzle, you end up with a, a really fantastic project that's capable of answering some of the really big and tough questions in, in our field. And I think state we've done, we've done well, we we've pieced together quite a lot of those parts of the puzzle, but we still certainly have some, some big challenges remaining. And that's really what makes ProPass an exciting project to be involved with. So I was particularly excited to see our very first major scientific outputs presented yesterday by, by Joe and Matthew. And, and if you missed it, uh, Matthew Amadi from Sydney, uh, presented some very interesting data, looking at dose response curves, uh, for different types of activity in relation to some cardiometabolic health markers and following on from that. Joe Bloggett from UCL, using the same pooled data resource, took a, a slightly different approach, looking at the 24-hour composition, and she showed some very interesting data on how replacing certain activities with others resulted in different effects on, on cardiometabolic health factors, and she also showed us this hierarchy of, of movement. So looking ahead to today then, and today's really taking a slightly different approach. We're trying to look into the future of, of the whole uh, wearables field. And I've stolen this slide from Manos because I think it captures what we want to do today really nicely. We're really trying to sort of explore the, not necessarily the gap, 
but the sort of interface between these two areas, the, the commercial wearables and the research grade wearables. So today you're going to hear a lot, all the speakers today are going to somehow be tapping into this topic. So I'm not going to run through the whole program because I'm sure you've, you've all looked at it, but our keynote today is from Robert Hall. If you haven't listened to Robert speak, he's an extremely engaging speaker and he really is at the cutting edge of the commercial wearables uh, issue. So I would just like to thank all the speakers for their time today. And I would like to say that I hope you enjoy your morning and get a lot out of it. If you are on social media, please remember to hashtag us at Propass Conference 20. And I'm now going to hand over to Professor Lauren Chirard, who's going to chair the, the first session. Thank you, Mark. Apologies. Let me just have them on my screen. So welcome everyone. As Mark said, my name is Lauren Schra. I'm from Loughborough University in the United Kingdom. So we've got two amazing presentations that forms the first session today. Before I provide a few introductions, just a few keynote, sorry, a few housekeeping items. So like yesterday, please use the question and answer function to send through any of the great questions that you might have. You can post them anonymously or, or with your name. So what we'll do is we'll do the two presentations and then at the end, we'll take the questions and I will say those verbally to the, to the two speakers. So the two speakers that we have today, and Mark has provided a nice uh, introduction to, to probably both of them. The first one is Manos Stamatakis. The title of his presentation will be Expansion of Propass to Wrist Wearables. Now, Manos obviously very key to Propass. He's a professor of physical activity and population health, but also the chair of the Propass Lead Leadership Group. The second presentation uh, will be by Matthew Hamad. He's a research fellow at the Charles Perkins Centre in the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of Sydney. We heard him present yesterday, and we'll hear him present today on unified wearables framework. So with that introduction, I will pass over to Manos. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on the second day of our, of our fifth annual meeting. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, the, I think the title of my presentation gives away quite a lot of information. So we have recently made a decision to expand to wrist accelerometry. Traditionally, Propass has been thigh accelerometry. We took a conscious, a careful, calculated decision back in 2017-18. So I would like to start by providing a little bit of overview of the field of accelerometry standards in general. And I think this image encapsulates really well, in my opinion, what has happened over the last 20 years, which is the period of time we have accelerometry. We use accelerometry in a reasonably large scale. Just to back up this uh, picture and this uh, history of uh, inconsistency, of poor communication between different research groups, of lack of collaboration. I would like to emphasize that because I truly think that Propass serves a really important role when it comes to this Babel-style type of collaboration and, collabor uh, collaboration and communication in the field of technical physical activity measurement. And just like as a testament to this point, just think of those who've been around for long enough Think about 
accelerometry, uh, waist accelerometry, hip accelerometry, cut points. About a dozen of them, a minimum. I, I can recall a dozen of them. I'm sure, I think there are a dozen, of 11 of them, only for children plus adults. Every set of cut points gives you a completely different picture. So I think that's how the field started. And unfortunately, we haven't got rid of completely this kind of mindset. So I think Propass can, pay, can play a critical role in bringing together different groups, different parties, and providing a unified, a desperately needing, needed unified approach to how we uh, measure physical behavior using devices, how we process the data, how we analyze. Of course, it is complicated. Of course, it, it, is, it, it, it won't be an easy undertaking. In many other occasions, and again, I'm going to stay a little bit in the history, very fantastic minds came together. They, took, uh, this nice, they had nice discussions. They took important decisions, and nothing happened afterwards. Some of you may have been involved in the initiative that was published. It was the actual meetings and the discussions were part, if I remember well, of the 2012 ISPAC Congress in Sydney. Yeah, that it didn't, and it, it wasn't really, no, no action, not concrete actions came out of that initiative. So I think that Propass came into the scene at a very good uh, time, considering how fast technology is racing, wearables technology is racing, how fast consumer wearables are become part of our everyday life. And yesterday in the opening discussion, and Matthew, sorry, Mark also alluded to how important we cannot see research-grade wearables, we cannot see where completely separate from what happens in the consumer wearables world. Because uh, from this point on, we will see the two uh, converging more and more. Until now, they have been diverging away. From this point on, I think we will see them be converging. So when it comes to putting together consortia like Propass, it's not the very, it's not the very first accelerometry consortium, but it's the first adult accelerometry consortium. Our biggest enemies have been restrictions around the brand and the model and the placement. So I will focus today on the placement because this is the, the major decision that we took, expansion to a different placement in addition to our primary placement, the, the thigh. So our efforts for quite a while at Propass have been ab about liberating ourselves from the tyranny of a specific brand, a specific model of accelerometer and a specific placement more recently. So when the time came to set up Propass, we had to take a few decisions. The options were quite clear to us. The decision really was between thigh and wrist. Uh, the waist hip accelerometers it was clear to us. They are non, not 24 hour methodology. It's very hard to implement them in the 24-hour context. The 24-hour discussion we had already started, to, so waste was not a possibility for us, really. So we took initially the decision to, to focus on thigh. We had limited resources as well, so we, we had to put our limited eggs in one specific basket. We thought that this strategically was a good decision, and I still believe that it was a very good decision. I don't think that we made any mistakes. Now, a little bit of rational, how we came to the decision to focus on thigh. In terms, you've seen, some of you uh, may have seen this uh, diagram. This is the dimensions of physical behavior, the uh, propass physical behavior construct. We presented a couple of times yesterday in different talks. In a nutshell, in terms of measuring capacity, what 
tilted the scales in favor of thigh was its ability to measure posture much better than wrist. At the same time, when we took that decision, we were very clear that the thigh placement in terms of measuring capacity, in terms of tangible aspects of physical behavior, was coming with a major limitation. That limitation was the intensity classification, and we know how important intensity classification is in our field. The guidelines are around uh, intensity. Uh, the vast majority of papers out there, physical activity, epidemiology papers are about intensity. So we knew we're, we're I would like to open brackets because the talk, yes, it's about the placement, but I would like to open brackets just like to illustrate a little bit our thinking about back then, back in 2018, 19, when we took all these strategic decisions. So as soon as we took the decision, we also initiated a study at the University of Sydney study to develop thigh accelerometry standards. I'm, I'm not going to give you much more information because Matthew, uh, a lot more information in the second part of this session, but just like to, because you will hear me talking about the two-stage intensity classifier. So this is going to be a two-stage classifier approach. We will classify the signals first according to type of activity or posture and then intensity. And we have tried intensity this approach in, with wrist accelerometry with really, really good results. More about this by Matthew. So I'm closing brackets and I'm going back to the placement. And the tyranny of the, the tyranny of the brand model, the brand model and the and the placement, the specific placements that is a limiting factor that limits the number of cohorts and studies that can be embraced by initiative like Propass. So for the Braden model, this is, was a, literally the very first thing we did in Propass. We started this study in 2018 as soon as we set it up because we we had to prove the principle of device agnostic accelerometry empirically. So if you were talking to very knowledgeable people who understand high-tech people, they, they said, yeah, of course, if you put a triaxial accelerometer on the thigh, it will give you, or on the wrist, it will give you the same answer, but there was no empirical evidence. So we, we, we did our homework, we empirically got rid of the tyranny of the specific broad model. So now Propass is uh, fairly agnostic when it comes to devices. Since we took these decisions, many things happened though. It's a fast evolving field, and this is really good, very good. So we had, for example, small consortia publishing, publishing studies using both waist and wrist accelerometry, for example. So that was an indication that the placement, the, the unique placement, the single placement was necessarily a necessity. There were, there were, so that, that study was led by Sebastian Chestin, our friend and good collaborator, Sebastian Chestin. A really exciting paper came a year later by uh, Aiden Doherty's group. Uh, fantastic paper. I love it because it really, this is the paper that brought compositional data analysis to the masses. This paper made it mainstream, made it understandable. It was a beautiful paper, really easy to understand complex concepts and uh, ideas. And also, as far as I remember, it was the first big paper that used machine learning based model to classify intensity. This time with risk data. So we started thinking, hmm, something is going on here. Uh, did we make the right decision to focus only on thigh? Uh, acknowledging that the UK Bank is by far the, much, uh, the, 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 the largest, by far the largest resource out there. So we followed up, we concentrated with Matthew's help and leadership. Matthew played a critical role 
in my group, we developed a two-stage, another two-stage risk classifier. So it was clear by that point that we were very friendly to the idea of risk accelerometry. And we could see that the tangible advantages that thigh accelerometry had only three years before that, perhaps they start, they start somehow evaporating. They were not necessarily there. So we published a number of studies, recent studies with this two-stage risk classifier. Our studies are focused specifically on intensity and in particular at the upper end of the intensity spectrum particular vigorous intensity in short bears. So it was clear that Tropas was already embracing risk accelerometry. And one of the, these five papers that were led by us in Sydney, the, la, the, the one before the last uh, was a Propass collaboration, not Propass resource, Propass collaboration paper. So we took the decision and we reconsidered the decision last year. In the meantime, we had the excellent review by, led by Richard, the methodological review, another paper that I want, I believe it will become a seminal paper in the field of wearables or accelerometry or whatever you call it, where we could say that in terms of the feasibility, and by feasibility, I mean which method gives you the most complete data set. We want 24 hours, we want the full seven days. And it's true that the risk method still has a competitive advantage. The advantage, in my opinion, is relatively small. Though, so I think uh, risk and waste, both acceptable, provide acceptable uh, completedness when it comes to wear times, if not, if not anything else. But we have to acknowledge that in sometimes this could be part, part of the decision which way we will go, we were, whether we will go with risk or with uh, thigh, that risk still provides some advantage when it comes to wear times and feasibility because it's very acceptable, it's very normal for most people to wear a watch because the wrist devices feel like wearing a watch. At the end of the day, what we're trying to do here and what really matters is whether, no matter where you place the device and what device you use, can we get a consistent tangible output? Can we get a consistent answer when it comes to times and specific intensity, posture, sitting, standing, sleep times? So our thinking in Propass is about making what uh, Galiloga said, making uh, what is not measurable, making it measurable somehow. So we have a quite large stream of uh, quite large stream of work in this area, and Matthew will give you a few highlights from that work in the next presentation. But I would like to take the opportunity here uh, because it is very relevant to Propash to mention the establishment and the launch of the Mackenzie Wearables Research Hub at Charles Perkins Center. Charles Perkins Center is the our academic home at the University of Sydney, uh, which uh, was very fortunate to receive. A very large bequest by Jenny, late Jenny McKenzie, a philanthropist, uh, $24 million. And we didn't get the whole $24 million, just to clarify. <laughs> but we got a, a decent chunk of that to set up the McKenzie Wearables Research Hub at CPC. And why am I mentioning it and why it is critical for the future of Propass? Because the McKenzie Hub provides a really nice buffer, a really nice cushion. For Propass, we rely from this point on, and considering the direction of travel and how large the consortium is, we rely on competitive grants. We are very fortunate to have the BHF grant a few years ago. It expires in a couple of years. We have put in 
I can three or four applications. So we continually, continuously place bids, of course, but in this competitive environment, nothing is certain. So we have a set amount of resources as part of the hub that can be to some extent utilized by Propos as well. And one of those a set of resources is that all the developmental work, all the algorithm development and harmonization work that Matthew will describe in the next slide, all this is done with internal funding by my research group and by the McKenzie Hub. From this point on, the McKenzie Hub will be chipping in. So it provides a very nice, stable stream of funding. Initially, the Hub uh, was funded for, has been funded for three years. I'm very confident we're doing very well in terms of supporting the research community, the local research community at the University of Sydney, which is the primary function of the Hub and the reason why the university gave us the, the funding to be able to harmonize and further refine and develop algorithms for both placements, the risk and tie. So from this point on, Propass on the methodological uh, side of things would be placing equal importance to risk and thigh with a view to harmonizing them and uh, being able to use them interchangeably and interpreting the signal into tangible outputs um, in an agnostic, uh, in, a device, in, a, in a placement agnostic way. This is our ultimate goal. We did not, uh, we are not starting the kind of, the work that Matthew will describe in the next presentation, the harmonization of different placements, the comparison in the first instance, before we harmonize, we need to empirically see what is the, dif what differences are in the out output of the two placements. Uh, we did not, I have to clarify, we did not start from scratch. Uh, there has been work and one example here is by Alexander uh, Montoya uh, six, seven years ago where they compared the uh, output of wrist and thigh and waist in terms of, of physical activity type classification, if I remember well, and the conclusion was very encouraging. So wrist and thigh compete head to head and they're both superior to waist accelerometry. So this is very clear from all that body of studies, the, the small body of studies that were concerned with harmonization of different placements and comparisons of different placements. Uh, so the work, again, now I'm introducing Matthew's presentation because the work that Matthew will be describing fall under the Propass's Unified Wearables Framework, which is pretty much what I've, I've already described. It's our efforts to be able to develop standards which will be hopefully adopted by other researchers within our field and our child field towards the unified framework to be used in research. I think what we have been doing so far in, in, in Sydney and in Propass is very much concerned with consumer, uh, with uh, research grade, sorry, research grade wearables. Um, I think that in the years to come, we will be converging to consumer wearables as well. We will start testing uh, consumer wearables, how they perform in, in comparison with research grade wearables as well, because we know now that uh, consumer grade wearables will be used, I'm not sure when and how it's going to happen. I'm very convinced that they will be used in physical activity epidemiology sooner or later. They will start being used at scale. The all of us study in the American study, it's a small cohort of six, 7,000, which was published in Nature Medicine last year. I think this is the first, this is indicative of the climate, of the climate. I think the journals and the publishers will be a lot more open to uh, consumer wearables being published, being used in epidemiological studies. So what will happen to Propass in terms of its size? 
if we incorporate, if we embrace fully, when we are ready to fully embrace risk accelerometry, it will grow by a lot. The chances are that it will grow by a lot. Using again here, using data from Richard's very nice review, the methodological accelerometry review, we identified 22 different cohorts, 175,000 participants. I have to mention that the UK Biobank is about two thirds of that. So the UK Biobank is a clear outlier in the field of accelerometry in general. I don't know if we will ever see another size of this size, another, another study of this size using research wearables, perhaps with consumer wearables. But uh, yeah, uh, UK Biobank dominates the landscape, clearly dominates the landscape. If I remember well, the second largest accelerometry study is the Han cohort, 32,000. So quite a large gap. Where we are with all this expansion and embracing the cohorts, we haven't contacted a single cohort, risk cohort yet, because the reality is that we need to do a lot of preparation. This is not going to be a smaller undertaking. So we're working very hard in this area, several streams of work we're preparing, but we are not ready for at least six to nine months. We're not ready to start inviting cohorts because the expansion will have huge resource implications. And ideally we can make steady progress slow but steady progress using the McKenzie Hub resources, other resources, uh, small funds here and there. The, 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 the valuable time that all our collaborators and our working group leaders are putting. But to be able to do this fast, and I'm very keen to, to complete the, the expansion very fast, we need another grant. And why do we need another grant? Because things like expanding the harmonization from 20 cohorts to 40 cohorts, Expanding the data harmonization is going to be a major undertaking. We will need to engage secure funds for Malmstrom Research, our collaborator from Canada who is uh, leading uh, the harmonization. We will need to secure funds for the expansion of uh, the data shield, uh, Fed analysis and access, data access, remote data access infrastructure. And just that, those are those two things off the top of my head. And of course, do not underestimate the amount of time and effort building a network, an additional network of uh, studies. It took us six, seven years to, to engage with 20 studies, uh, five studies. So with another 20 studies, I hope it will take us less, but it building the network and uh, nurturing that network. It's not about building, it's, it's nurturing, nurturing it, making it part of Propass. It's going to be, yeah, it's not a small undertaking. So before I close, I would like to it's a call to whoever is a researcher there, especially those who do technical measurement development. We need to collaborate better. My experience, our experience in proposing those last few years has been amazing. We have collaborated with over a hundred people. We can do better. We can do better, especially when it comes to developing standards. I think the time has come for us to share data sets. The time has come for us to start talking to each other. To stop thinking, be, be, stop, stop, start thinking beyond our research group, our research institute, our little research collaboration, and just like share, share and collaborate more closely so that we can make fast access towards providing this unified, this unified, this unified wearables data processing and interpretation standards. Because I think if we do that, I'm very convinced that our influence will overflow well beyond the physical activity, the physical behavior, epidemiology field. It's as simple as that. We can influence, we can 
set our mark and we can set the standards in wearables uh, across uh, all health disciplines if we collaborate better. And Propass could be one of those platforms. So I would encourage you to see Propass as a possible platform to do that. If you, if you are aware of a better one, let me know and I'll join. Okay, a couple of, uh, so I'm going to close the, my talk for trying to preempt a couple of questions that some of you may be scratching your head and asking, mm, so what's happened next exactly? So this is work in progress. So you may be wondering, first of all, are we ditching <laughs> thigh accelerometry after developing all these standards, doing all these studies, investing, which, one, which, which is going to be our primary placement? There is not going to be primary placement. We will be supporting, we will be recommending thigh as a primary placement in some cases, if the research, the research scenario and the research circumstances are appropriate, if the circumstances are appropriate and more conducive to risk accelerometry, if, for example, if the study is in a very hot country during summer, we know that there is an increased risk of uh, skin irritation from the adhesive that we use for thigh. Yeah. That's just an example. I mean, in that case, if there are concerns about feasibility uh, and we suspect uh, or we have uh, empirical evidence that the risk accelerometry will bring up much better adherence, much better wear times, we will be recommending risk accelerometry as part of our PROPAS expansion. So in a way, we will stay open, open-minded. We will, we still think that, that thigh has certain advantages when it comes to the postural location, the postural location assessment. And I think sedentary behavior is important. Posture is important in general. So uh, it will have a competitive edge when it comes to our recommendation, but we will not necessarily recommending only thigh. It would be a case by case, cohort by cohort basis, our recommendation and our support. The second question, those who attended, uh, especially those who attended the session yesterday, Peter Johansson's uh, session yesterday about Actipass, is now Actipass is specific to thigh accelerometry. What's going to happen to Actipass? Yeah, Actipass, of course, will need to be updated. This is not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen in stages. So once we have the two-stage thigh intensity algorithm that Matthew will describe the study in a minute, and I mentioned a bit earlier, we will incorporate it. So little by little, we will be incorporating the, the thigh standards and the wrist device standards into Actipass. And that's another thing we need to secure some resources. I, 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 we haven't started even these discussions because we haven't fully started the expansion to wrist, but these discussions will have to happen fairly soon. And with that, uh, I would like to thank you for your attention. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.